Chapter 8 of Chains by Lori Halsey Anderson. <clears throat> the um, primary evidence at the top is a petition for freedom from a group of slaves to Massachusetts Governor Thomas Gage, His Majesty's Council in the House of Representatives on May 25th, 1774. <clears throat> so this is written by a group of slaves the year before the Revolutionary War started and um, two years before the Declaration of Independence. And it says, We have in common with all other men a natural right to our freedoms without being deprived of them by our fellow men. We were unjustly dragged by the cruel hand of power from our dearest friends and some of us stolen and brought hither to be made slaves for life in a Christian land. Thus are we deprived of everything that hath a tendency to make life even tolerable. So this is chapter 8. The day started early in the Lockton house, since Becky lived in a boarding house on Oliver Street. It fell to me to wake first and build up the fire. She did the proper cooking, and I did near everything else, like washing pots and plates and beating eggs till my arms fell off for Madame's almond jumbles and plum cakes with icing. If not in the kitchen, I was removing colonies of spiders, polishing tables and chairs, or sweeping up a mountain of dust. I saved the cobwebs, twisting them around a rag and storing them by our pallet in the cellar. Cobwebs were handy when a person had a bloody cut, like a bandage. Ma Madam complained every time she saw me. I left a streak of wax on the tabletop. I tracked in mud. I faced a china dog toward the door after I dusted it, which would cause the family's luck to run out. At the end of every scolding, I cast down my eyes and said, Yes, Madam. I kept careful track of her the same way as I used to mind the neighbor's bull when I took the milk cows out to pasture. She had not hit me again, but always seemed on the edge of it. Mostly Madam slept late, wrote letters, and picked out melodies on a badly tuned spinet. A few times she and her husband conversated fast and quiet about Mr. Washington and when the king's ships would arrive for the invasion. They argued fierce on Thursday night, locked and shouted and called Madam rude names before storming out of the house, the front door crashing behind him. I vowed not to cross neither of them. Madam went to bed early that night, so we did too. Ruth snuggled next to me and fell asleep quick. I lay awake, praying hard, but gaining little comfort. I was lost. I knew that... We were in the cellar of a house on Wall Street, owned by the Locktons in the city of New York, but it was like looking like at a knot, knowing it was a knot, but not knowing how to untie it. I had no map for this life. I lay awake and stared into the darkness. Madam called for tea in her bedchamber the next morning and sent for Ruth, who was pumping the butter churn with vigor. Why would she need Ruth? I asked, as I wiped my sister's hands and face with a damp rag. Why does she need anything? Becky asked. I'm to climb to the attic to fetch the cast-off clothing in an old trunk. Maybe she'll set the little one to rip out the stitches to the dressmaker can use the fabric. This best be the last of the day's fanciful notions. My knees don't like all this upping and downing of stairs. Ruth stayed in Madam's chamber for hours. 
I spilled the fireplace ashes on the kitchen floor, then kicked over the bucket of wash water I bought in the cleanup the me- to clean up the mess. I stubbed my toe and near cut off my finger while it's peeling an old, tough turnip. When I could stand it no more, I snuck out of the kitchen and tiptoed down the hall. I could hear the sound of Madame's voice from the bottom of the stairs, but not the words she was saying. I wanted to march up there and tell Ruth to come back and finish the butter. I did not. I forced myself to work. Becky took a tray of cookies and a pot of tea upstairs late in the afternoon. I pounced when she returned to the kitchen. Is Ruth well? Why does Madame keep her? Becky chose her words with care. Madame has taken a liking to Ruth, on account of her being so tiny and quiet. She sat in the kitchen table. She means to use her for a personal maid. Pardon me? Most of Madame's friends have a slave to split wood and carry chamber pots like you. If Madame has a slave dressed in finery, well, that makes her more of a lady. Ruth can fan her when she's hot or stir the fire when she's cold. I forgot myself and sat down across from Becky. She's making Ruth into a curiosity? Becky nodded. Aye, that's a good word for it. I went cold with anger, then hot, then cold again. It wasn't right. It wasn't right for one body to own another or pull strings to make them jump. Why was Madame allowed to hit me or to treat Ruth like a toy? Take care, Becky warned, pointing to my lap. I looked down. My hands were clenched into fists so tight the cords and that held my bones together could be seen. I released them. Becky leaned across the table and spoke quiet. I don't imagine you like this much. Can't say I blame you, but don't lose your head. Madam is not afraid to beat her slaves. I rubbed my palms together. Do they own more than us? Half a dozen down to the Charleston place. None up in Boston. Never been to the Carolinas, so I don't know how they get along. Excuse me. But you need to calm yourself and heed what I am about to tell you. Yes, ma'am, I said stiffly. Two, three years ago, there was another girl here, slave like you. She talked back. Madam called her surly and took to beating her regular like. One day she beat her with a fireplace poker. Did she die? No, but her arm broke and didn't heal right. It withered and hung useless, so Madam sold her. I could not hold the hot words in my mouth any longer. She best not come after me with a poker or hurt Ruth. Becky leaned back and studied on me a bit. You ain't never going to say something like that again. Not in my kitchen. I get paid decent here, and I won't let some girl like you get in the way of that. Wearing pretty dresses. Ain't going to hurt the little one, so wipe that look off your face and fetch some more wood. After that, Ruth's every waking moment was spent with Madam. Though we worked in the same house and slept under the same blanket, we had little time to talk. Ruth was permitted to sleep until the sun rose, went to bed when Madame retired, and rarely had to work in the kitchen or garden. I lay awake every night, heart filled with dread, recalling the dangerous offer made by the boy in the floppy red hat. That's the end of chapter 8.